You're listening to another edition of the Full Court Press on 106.9 The Fan with Eric Franson and AJ Salveson. To get the latest content, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Don't forget the Full Court Press airs Monday through Friday on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM The Fan, and you can stream the show on 106.9thefan.com. Really excited for the first segment here to open up the show. Uh, we've had him on before. He's part of the uh, above-average former Aggie basketball players. Yeah. <laughs> who we've spoken to over time. That's a different conversation for another different day with him. <laughs> But, We're not done with that guy yet on no, that. No, Jimmy Moore joins us here in the studio. Jimmy, thanks for coming in and joining us. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, we had you down here not too long ago. You and uh, Jalen were down here, um, but uh, I know you've been a friend of the program. You've been on with us a couple different times. Um, and uh, what something really cool I came across my email. I have these different alerts that that pop up. Certain words are used in press releases and whatnot. And uh, I got this one. I'm like, new book release. And I'm like, okay. We get all these all the time, you know, local authors, some you've never heard of, and the books are not worth looking at. But Like the romance novels you gave me from like Pick Six Wins? <laughs> I may or may not have given Ajay many different romance novels over the, over the years. But this one that came across just recently, like, hi, I, I know that name. This is really interesting. i got to find out more about this. So, Jimmy Moore, you've, you've authored a book. This is pretty cool. Uh, and for the, the book is titled Basketball and Some of Life's Technical Fouls. Yes. So, yeah. first of all, what prompted you to write a book? Well, you know, I started writing this book as a class project when I was doing my master's degree in education. And so we did it for a class project. And uh, a couple of weeks later, the, when, the, when the books were looked at, the paper were turned in and things like that, the professor had us to come up and talk about, it, you know, and kind of share it with the, uh, my peers in the class. And so as I went through it, everybody was kind of captivated about because they had no idea about my background, you know, and where I came from. And I kind of shared that with them. And I also talk about that in the book. And uh, it became a, it, it actually matured from a class project and to a book. So when I retired from Utah State uh, a couple of years ago, that was on my to-do list. One of my things to do once I retire was to finish this book. I, I've been writing on it for years, a little bit out of here, a little bit there. And so finally got a chance to finalize it, um, put it in publication. Uh, I submitted it to five uh, publishing companies. All five of them accepted it. And so wow. I had a, a due date for the book was in March, and then the pandemic hit, so that kind of put things back. And so just about two and a half, three weeks ago, I finally got it off the press, so I'm excited. About so this that. is fresh, then. This it's is very fresh. Fresh off the, oh fresh off the press. <laughs> so, hey, uh, uh, in the book, you talk <clears throat> about your life as a basketball player in the '60s and growing up in the South, which had to be extremely difficult. I was complaining the other day about some of the challenges I go through in 2020, but in the '60s, I mean, tenfold of what you have to go through. What and when you became a basketball, a great basketball player. The opportunities and the windows opened up for you, but did the way people treat you different or differentiate from before when you weren't a basketball player? Absolutely, absolutely, it was definitely uh, a difference, you know. But I, I tried not to abuse that difference. I wanted to use it as a as a teaching tool for me and for an opportunity to better to make me a better person. But at the same time, I wanted to be able to, and I tried to help people to, to understand that. Uh, basketball is not who I am. It's just what I do, you know? And so there's more to me than just a basketball player. And so I, I try to uh, 
I definitely try to instill that into my boys as well as, you know, when I have my, my two sons, Grayson and Jalen, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely you can see the difference when people realize that you're a basketball player or an athlete versus just another um, citizen here in the Valley. And you've you've had a really fascinating story just over your life, and I want to get to one of your the stories about your recruiting in a moment. But playing basketball at Utah State, you were a tremendous athlete. You did a lot of great things, as you talked about being playing basketball. You had a career after Utah State, but then you came back. You were an educator. You were a coach. You've done things at administrative levels with Utah State. So you've had a really successful, really interesting career. Uh, that the kind of the world of basketball opened up to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I've been so blessed with uh, the opportunity that was created to me through basketball. You know, as you said, I, I played at the highest level, came back and coached at Utah State for five years, assistant basketball coach. Then I got out of athletics for a period of time and went over and became the, uh, the director of admissions and scholarship for Utah State. An opportunity that I would always treasure because it allowed me to give back to the university and it allowed me to give, let's say what we would say average student an opportunity to go to college. Um, I still meet a lot of people in the Valley. If I can share just a quick story with you guys. Oh, regarding sure, please, that. Yeah. I was in the supermarket one day and I was walking down the aisle, pushing my uh, shopping cart. And here on the other end of the aisle was this lady and her daughter that was probably about 10 years old. And the lady was just, kind of staring at me to the point where I'm like, I'm thinking, what are you, you know, <laughs> you know? And so I passed her, went on, continued to do my shopping. A couple of hours later, there she is again, and she's just staring at me, you know? And I'm like, what is going on here? And so as I take my groceries out to put them in the car, she's right out just a few cars down from me, putting her groceries in the car. Finally, she came over to me. She goes, I got to ask you a question. I said, yes. She goes, are you Jimmy Moore? Huh? I said, yeah, I am. She said, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. She said, I was telling my daughter, it's because of you that I'm a teacher today. You gave me a chance to come to Utah State. Mm-hmm. I didn't have good grades, but you allowed me to come to Utah State under condition. You put a plan together for me. I made it. I graduated. I'm now a teacher, and I can never thank you enough. So it was just things like that, you know, that was just kind of my my star moment, you know. So that's all. That's amazing. Well, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I remember being at a Rotary meeting. This was years ago, and you were invited to talk about a variety of different things. Um, but I remember one thing that just has always stood out to me was your story about being recruited, uh, and when Coach Dell Brown came out. I mean, very well respected coach. And uh, and he saw something in you, and thank goodness he got you to come to Utah State. But uh, along the trail, uh, you guys were going to go out to dinner, and it wasn't happening quite like it should. And uh, he wasn't having any of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, let me just say about Coach Brown, we're still friends. I mean, we talk to each other. He used to email me probably once a month. And so we, we stayed in touch. That guy... He spent so much time in Mississippi recruiting me during my senior year. I, I, I think if he could have moved in with us, he would have. You know, so, <laughs> so, but a great guy, just a great guy. Yeah, we, we had an incident where um, I lived just about probably a couple of two or 300 yards from my high school. 
And right across the street from my high school was kind of the local hangout for all of the high school kids. It was kind of like a little restaurant cafe, you know, with arcade, you know, games and stuff like that. And it was definitely a hangout spot for all of the kids after, you know, sporting event. Everybody would go there except the black kids, Hmm. you know, because blacks were not allowed. They didn't serve blacks there, you know. And so it was weird because Coach Brown would, he would ask me, so what do you guys do? I mean, we would come out of the gym after everybody's shower. We come out as a team, you know, we talk a little bit about the game and we part ways. The kids on the white, the white kids on the team would go across the street and hang out and we would just go home, right? And so this particular time, on this particular visit, uh, it was an in-home visit. And Coach Brown is sitting there with me and my parents and we're talking and Coach Brown can that guy can sell, let me tell you that. So he, he's he's talking about how great Utah State is, and my dad is sitting there trying to figure out where is this place, you know. And so we having this conversation, and so my mom gets up, and she goes, "Hey, while you guys are talking, I'm gonna make some dinner, you know, I'm gonna cook dinner." And so Coach Brown said, "No, Mrs. Moore, just sit down. Jimmy and I, we will go get some hamburgers. You don't have to cook. We'll go get hamburgers." Right away, in my mind, I'm thinking, "Oh wow, you know." Where, where, you know, because there's nowhere we can go. Now it's, it's in the evening, right? And I'm thinking there was one cafe right in the middle of town. They didn't serve blacks. You couldn't go in, but there was a room in the back. It was their supply room where they kept all of the goods, potatoes, onions, and stuff like that. They had a little table with two chairs. Blacks can go in there, sit in the back, order a burger, and sit there and eat it if they want to or take it and go. But you couldn't come in the front. So in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to take him there because at least we can go in the building, right? Can't go in the front, but I can take him in the back. But wow. we went there and the place was closed. So I'm like, I don't know, coach. I said, this is the only place I know. And he's, so we're driving back to my house and all of a sudden he looks across the street and he see this little cafe hangout that all the kids hang out at and it's open. And I'm, and this place was like a hundred yards, two hundred yards from my house. We bypassed that to go to the other place that I took him to, because I knew we couldn't go into this place, right? And it was embarrassing. So on our drive back home, he see the cafe over there, and he said, "Let's go there." And before I could say, we're pulling into the parking lot. So Coach Brown gets out, you know, and walks around the front of the car, and I'm still sitting in the passenger seat. He gets to the door and he looks back and I'm still sitting in the passenger seat. And he says to me, he goes, Jimmy, let's go. We're going, let's go. And I'm sitting there and I said, coach, come here. So he walks back to the car. He goes, what's wrong? I said, I can't go in there. He goes, what do you mean? I said, they don't, they don't serve blacks in there. He goes, you're kidding, right? I said, no. I said, see that little window right there, that little square window, sliding window? He goes, yeah. I said, that's what we order if we want a burger. We have to go to the window. He goes, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, no, I'm not. He goes, get out. We're going in tonight. We're going to go in here. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, here we are. I'm 17 years old, you know. And uh, we go into the cafe, and we walk in. The owner was flipping burgers, so she has her back to the door. We walk in. She turned around. She goes, just a moment. 
you know, she's flipping burgers. She turned around. She go, hi, can I help? And she just stopped mid-sentence. She looked at Coach Brown. She said, can I help you? And then she looked at me and she <laughs> said, he know we don't serve his kind in here. Ooh. Needless to say, Coach Brown lost it, right? Right. And that experience that day, guys, I can tell you, it was a life changer for me. You know, it changed my life. You know, I, I, uh, it, it made me just, oh, man, I've never felt so low, so small in my life. But I promised myself that day, I don't care what it takes, I would never make another human being feel like this. I never want anybody to have this experience that I have. And I, and I kind of talk about that in my book. And, and, and from that moment on, it's just been, man, it's been enriching for my life to, to still have that feeling and know what that feel like to help me to help other people and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was, that was a story that we shared today when you was at this little get-together that we had. So. And that's in the book. I'm so glad you've included it. It is a part of the book. It's a part of the book that I talked about. And it's funny because I sit with my boys and we talk about, because I want them to know, they, they've been to Mississippi with me to meet my family, you know, many times. And they always have questions, you know. But I wanted them to know that what you see now is not what it was. And, I'm, and, it, and it's come a long ways, you know. I mean, uh, and, and the weird thing about the whole experience then is that, <laughs> and it's kind of almost what I see in all of the protests and stuff that's going on today, and that is the younger generation, you know. And because when I came, I came from a small community, and everyone knew everybody. We knew, we knew, the white kids knew us, we knew the white kids. And that was never an issue, but it was just the other outside influence and the, and the older attitudes and stuff like that that really got in the way. And so, but yeah, so it's, it was, it was quite the experience. <laughs> I just sold 200 <laughs> copies of the book right there in the story alone. <laughs> My gosh. Um, I've got so many questions to ask you and we only have just so many, I mean, so little time to right. do it. Uh, Jalen was an incredible basketball player here in Cache Valley, but with that becoming, I mean, can come at least trash talking, persecution and whatever. Did he ever deal with with uh, derogatory comments of his color of skin in the, in the valley, if if I were at least in high school basketball, did he deal with that kind of adversity? Oh yeah, oh yeah. In the valley or just yeah, in the valley. You're kidding me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember when he was in high school. I would never forget the, the very first experience I had. I've always talked to him about being different, but not using that difference as a weakness. You know, being proud of who you are, where you came from. And no kind of thing. And I remember uh, one time he came home, and I guess someone in one of his class had made a uh, racial remark towards him. His hair, you know, Jalen always had a, he's always yeah. had his hair. Famous, always, and like nationwide famous because of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's right. He's always, he, he's either had it braided or he had it in an afro or he had it in a <laughs> high top fade. He, he always had something going on with that hair. But someone made a, a, a racial uh, remarked to him in one of his classes and he came home and it, it, it kind of rattled him a little bit. You know, we talked about it and uh, I told him, you know, that you're going to always face those kind of things and how to deal with it and, and that kind of stuff. And so, but yeah, he was, he, yeah. But 
with Utah State, their their basketball, football, and athletics, and President Will Crockett and Mr. Hartwell all made uh-huh. a statement uh, from the protest. When you first got to Utah State, what was the treatment of you like when you got there? Man, I, I would I would be quite honest with you. I Please. was to, I was totally shocked because my 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 freshman year at Utah State, I was the only African American on the team, right? But I tell you what. I couldn't have asked for better teammates. I mean, I had Rich Haas, Ray Thompson, Mark Tenhovey. All of us came in in that freshman class, right, and became really good friends. I mean, I, it was, it was, I was very uncomfortable because I had just came from an environment, a high school team, where we had 15 players on the team and 13 of them was black, you know. Uh, and so coming into just the opposite of what I was used to, I was a little bit uncomfortable, to be quite honest with you. But I tell you what, the, the, the people in this valley and my teammates, and I still stay in t- touch with Rich Haas and Ray Thompson and Mark Tenhovey and all those guys. We're, we're still a good friend to the day. But I never once went into a game or went into another uh, city to play a game feeling like they did not have my back, you know, and stuff. So, but I would just uh, – I was just, I was shocked at the time that, you know, to see the different, the culture shift, you know, and that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, that, that was, that was quite an experience for me, but it, it, I fast, I quickly learned that there were some great people in this valley and still are, you know, in this valley today. So, yeah. So the book is titled basketball and some of life's technical fouls. Uh, what it's, as you've, You've been kind enough to, to share a copy with us. It's not a big book, so it's an easy read, and there's some really interesting chapters in here. If people, it, or I guess I would say, if, if there's a couple of things you would hope that that people would get from reading this book, what are some of those those things you would hope lessons maybe they could learn by reading your book? I think that, I think one of the things that I want them to walk away with, uh, take away from the book, is that no matter what what. Well, I, let me back up. I guess one thing I want them to take away from it is the fact that to understand how strong my parents were. Hmm. My parents raised 12 kids, you know, and they did it with dignity. They did it with respect. They did it with love, you know. And so the main takeaway from that book is to put yourself in a situation where um, things are not equal. I talked about uh, separate but equal. I talked about that in the school system during that time, how the kids at the white school had the best school buses, the best textbooks, the best athletic equipment. We always had the hand-me-down. We had the buses that had windows that wouldn't go up, that you couldn't raise up in the wintertime, you know, and that kind of stuff. So those are the things I want to kind of take away from the book. But I guess the number one thing is, my parents, how strong they were and how, you know, at that time to have 12 kids and to raise 12 kids and, you know, give us all an opportunity to go to college. You know, not all of my brothers and sisters took that opportunity, but they all ended up doing things that they loved to do that they were passionate about. So, yeah. And I think it's fascinating that you as a parent, basically by and large, have put this book together to share your story with your with your sons mm-hmm. and your family, yeah. but there's lessons that really everybody can learn right. from reading this. 
the book for me was a keepsake. When I when I finally decided I want to put it in a in a book print, uh, my whole thing was to give as a keepsake for my boys. And then when the when the publishing company did a review of it and read it, they go, "Hey, you might have something we can put into a book form here." So, kind of motivated me to to follow through and and put it in print. But uh, I I wanted it for something that my boys can have to give to their kids and stuff like that. So, how can we find it? You got it. It's on uh, Amazon. You can find it on Amazon. It's also on Barnes and Nobles, as well as I, uh, Apple iTunes books. Okay. So uh, my plan is I, I want to have a book signing. So if anyone want to uh, stay tuned for that, I, I haven't set a date yet, but you know, with the pandemic and everything that kind of put everything back. But uh, my goal is to have a book signing sometime, some point in time. And so I, I look forward to that. Well, I want part two. Like, we aren't done yet. Like, this discussion is not even close to over. Like, you're coming back, Mr. Moore, with all due respect. I, I would love you're to. You're coming back. That would, was too much to. fun. I would love to. So, Well, it's a fascinating book. Uh, we really haven't had a chance to dive into all of it. We've touched on some of it. Uh, it's not a very long read, so it's easy no. easy to, to dive into and digest. Um, and some great life lessons. I, just from our experiences with you, Jimmy, we know that you've you've had a fascinating life story, and we're happy that you're sharing it with a lot of others to, to read that and consume that. Well, thank you. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here to talk with you guys and discuss the book a little bit, but uh, always looking for a visit. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right, back. Jimmy Moore. And the, once again, the book is titled Basketball and Some of Life's Technical Fouls. A lot of different places you can find it. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Books. Um, and uh, definitely worth the read. So thanks thanks again for your time, and hopefully we can catch up with you again before uh, the second book comes out. Yeah, thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks, Jimmy.